Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Saints, welcome to Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamla D. I am Dr. Kamla D, the founder, the host, and teacher of Learning Bible Truth. Now, I have a special treat for you today while I continue to study for my next series to bless you guys. I'm going to play a an epic message by the late great Apostle Price. It's called how faith works. It's part 11 of his, I think it was maybe a 50 part series, but it's one of the best. So I'm going to play this for you and may play a couple of messages by Apostle Price for the next couple of weeks while I continue to study for my up and coming series. I haven't even um, entitled it yet, but I am sure it will bless you. So stand by. Go get family and friends so they can hear this message on how faith works. In our Bibles to the book of James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. We're teaching on the subject how faith works. And I want to give the basic definition that we're working with. We started out by giving you the official, technical, etymological Greek definition of the word faith. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that's practical, something that's everyday, and something that you can very readily see is actually the meaning of the word faith. And then I gave you scripture to support my definition. My definition of faith is, is, is that faith is acting on what you believe. And so for the benefit of the Christian, faith is acting on God's word. We say we believe the word of God, then we have to act on the word of God. We have to do the Word of God. Faith and belief are entirely different things. You can believe something, but if you don't exercise faith, even though what you believe is correct, it'll never change your circumstances. But faith will change your circumstances. Now, you have to start out with believing, but then you have to move into faith. So faith is acting on the Word. Now, in our last several sessions, we've been talking about the importance of faith and why we should study it, why we should talk about it. And so, last time, we left off in the book of James. Now, actually, this started out 
with, oh, by the way, I, I do need your financial support if you want the ministry to stay on the air in your area. So if you'd like to support, fine. On the screen is an address where you can mail your tithe, gift, or tithe, or offering, or whatever, for whatever support uh, you want to give to the ministry. I do need your support because we rely upon people like you that watch the program and receive from it to support it. So thank you very much. Now, we found out, actually from 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you will remember verse 12, the fact that it tells us to fight the good fight of faith. So we are in a fight, but the only fight that we're in is a faith fight. We're not fighting preachers. We're not fighting churches. We're not fighting denominations. We're, it's a faith fight. In order to fight successfully, we need to know how faith works. Thusly, we're talking about the subject of how faith works. I told you also that even though Satan is our enemy personified, meaning that as a person, Satan is the enemy. However, our faith, is, our fight rather, is not with Satan. And even though we are Satan's enemy, his fight is not with us as such. The only thing that is important about you to Satan is your faith. That's what's up for grabs. Now, in order to get your faith, or literally to render your faith ineffectual, inoperative, and impotent, or impotent, whichever way you want to pronounce it, he will attack your physical body. He will attack your mind. He will attack your business. He will attack your ministry. He will attack your husband or your wife or your children or your finances or whatever he can but his purpose is ultimately to get you to center your attention on those things and take your attention off of God's word, which is the undergirding for your faith. If he can be successful in that maneuver, he can render you a victim instead of you being a victor. So we were talking here in James because here we have a very graphic illustration of this principle that I'm talking about. Notice James chapter 1. It says, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Remember last time I told you that we always want to add trials and tests because that's what this really means. So we could say it this way, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, trials and tests. Now the word fall in our minds usually connotes the idea of somebody falling into sin. You know, that, that word fall usually implies somebody that messed up, somebody that made a mistake, somebody that was tempted and yielded to the temptation to sin. And so I, I'd, I'd like to change that word because that's not what it's talking about. What he's talking about is not, not falling in the sense of, of, of stumbling up on some sin and messing up. What he's literally saying is, my brethren, count it all joy when you come up against or when you come face to face with temptations, trials, and tests because you will. There is no way you can live in this world, in this life without coming face to face with temptations, trials, and tests. They come to everybody. It's not a matter of you being a bad person, a good person, a Christian, or a non-Christian. You're going to be tempted, tried, and tested 
by Satan. And the reason that it happens both to sinners and to Christians is because Satan is sick, Satan is masochistic, and therefore he afflicts and abuses even his own kids. He is the master child abuser. So he gets everybody, but especially does he like to come after Christians. So this is talking about my brethren counted on joy when you come face to face with, when you come up against, when you come in contact with, because it's going to happen. Okay. He says counted joy. Now he didn't say it was joy. He didn't say it was joyful. He simply said count it as joy. However, he goes on to say, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, tem uh, fall into divers temptation. Divers means different kinds. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, come up against, or come in contact with different kinds of temptation, trials, and tests, knowing this. See, we have to go right on into that third verse and add the words knowing this. You can't count it joy if you don't know this because there is nothing joyful about being tempted, tried, and tested. There is nothing joyful about it. And he's not saying that it is joyful. He said, count it as joy. Act like it's joy. Treat it as joy. View it as joy, knowing this. You can't do it if you don't know this. Now, what is the this? The this is knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Now, remember I told you that that word trying in the Greek is literally the word proving. And notice that it does not say the trying of you. It says the trying of your faith. See, not the trying of you, but it's your faith that's up for grabs. Your faith is being proved to you and to Satan, because Satan does not know where your faith is. He does not know your degree of faith. He is not omniscient. Satan is an angel, a fallen angel at that, and he does not know everything. He is a spirit creature, but he doesn't know everything. It's obvious that he doesn't know everything because if he knew everything, he would read the back of the book and find out we win and he loses. So the very fact that he keeps on with this useless struggle that he can never win lets you know he doesn't know everything. The only thing that Satan knows, two things, that's all that Satan knows. Number one, he only knows what you tell him with your big fat mouth and secondly, whatever he can suggest to your mind and get you to confess with your mouth, he'll hang you with your own tongue. That's all he knows. He knows nothing else other than what you say and then what he can program into your mind and, of course, get you to confess. Because the Bible says, by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So it's your mouth that can mess you up. Are you following? So... It says, knowing this, that the proving of your faith. Now, again, this shows you, I said this last time, but this principle is so important, I have to repeat it. Notice that he says that the proving of your faith, the only reason you prove something is because you want to be sure. And so if you want to be sure, that means that you're not sure 
Because if you were sure, you wouldn't want to be sure, and you wouldn't have to prove nothing. You would know that you know that you know that it's so. Therefore, that rules out God as being the one that's proving you because God would not waste his own good time nor your time proving something he already knows. So it has to be somebody else that's bringing all this garbage upon you, somebody who does not know. And it is Satan. He does not know. But the purpose of his coming, again, is to separate you from your faith. Because we read it before in 1 John 5 and 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So if Satan can separate you from your faith, he can separate you from your potential ability to be victorious. So he's got you in the bag, got you in the sack, Jack. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he comes against us. Now, I told you last time that God in his infinite wisdom, as a loving parent, has to train his children. We're the children of God. So God has to train us. Now, how does he train us? Well, basically, he wants to train us by his word. But unfortunately, everybody doesn't heed the word. Just like in the natural, we don't always heed the word. We, don't, we haven't always listened to our parents. We haven't always listened to those counselors that were placed over us to give us guidance. We just decide we're going to do it our way and bump our head out there on the rocks of life and find out the hard way. You are going to learn one way or the other. You'll either learn by listening to somebody else or you're going to learn yourself the hard way. And that's the stupid, ignorant, and dumb way to learn it. Learn by somebody else. I don't need to get drunk drive down the freeway at 95 miles an hour, hit the center divider, and my head go through the windshield, and I'm decapitated. I don't need to do that to find out I'm going to lose my head. I look at the news report and watch you lose your head, and then I'll figure out I don't need to do that. So that's the best way to learn. Don't do it yourself. That's the fool that does it himself. Are you following me? So we need to understand that principle. So God has to train us. He trains us by his word. If we listen to the word, then there would be no temptation trial or test that would take us out. There would be none that would take us out because we'd learn from the word. See, we wouldn't have to learn the hard way. Now, God has allowed, and he, and, 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 and he doesn't even know it. Satan doesn't even know it. God has hired Satan with no pay, with no pay to train us. And that's how you train with the temptation, the trials, and the test, in the sense that God gives you the way to overcome. And the way that you overcome, that's what allows you to learn, is by having an optical. That's what tests are all about in school, is to challenge what you think you know, to bring out of you what's there or to find out what's not there. That's what the test ends up doing. The test is not designed to kill you. It's designed to find out what do you really know how much do you really know? Have you been able to absorb the information that's been given to you over the time that you've been in the classroom? It's not designed to kill you or th thwart your life or throttle you so you can't live. Well, that's not God's intent. God doesn't want to hurt his own kids. He's not trying to hurt you. Now, the reason it looks like people get hurt is because they won't do it God's way. And if you don't do it God's way, you are going to get hurt. But you don't have to get hurt. Are you following me? Now, we, we stopped with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to go back to that. But I had to give you that brief, that brief. Okay, saints, let me interject right here. Now, I don't necessarily agree with Apostle Price when he said that God hired Satan without pay to uh, train us. Now, 
Um, what I do know for a fact, and it's biblical, is that God does not try us. He does not test us. I do know that it is the devil who will bring trials upon us and who will test us. I'm just saying, I don't think God hired him to do it. Okay. Now let's resume. Uh, overview of what we already covered because I, we want to move on uh, to something else. And I want to be sure that you have that. And then of course we always have new people now. See, I want to be sure that you understand what I'm not saying. See, I want to be sure that you understand what I am not saying. Say this. Say this. Pastor Price, Pastor Price is, not, is not. I repeat. I repeat Pastor, Price Pastor Price is not, is not telling, me telling me that my Heavenly Father, that my heavenly father is, whipping my head is whipping my head and kicking my backside, kicking my backside to teach me a lesson. Teach me a lesson. That is not what Pastor Price is saying to me. Okay. The reason I'm doing that is because that is a common concept among many evangelical Christians. That God puts all these things on us to test us, to make better people out of us, to punish us when we're bad and all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying. What I am saying is you're going to learn. You have to learn some way. And there's only two ways to learn. Either by instruction through some sort of manual or some somebody telling you something verbally or you learn it by experience the hard way but you're going to learn the best way to learn is by listening to your father Amen. listening to your daddy your abba father so somebody's got to train you and it's usually the parents so what the what god has done he let the devil train us and the devil doesn't even know that he's doing it he thinks he's killing us and of course he does get away with killing some of us and wiping us out but that's only because of ignorance on our part because that's a scriptural principle. My people are destroyed for lack, lack of knowledge. Of knowledge. You see? If you don't know, then you will be destroyed. But that's not God's purpose. And if we'll follow the word, we won't be destroyed. All right, now watch this. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation. There's that word again, temptation. So we'll add trial, test, right? So it would read like this. There hath no temptation, trial, or test taken you, but such as is common to man. See, remember I said that over there a moment ago? I said that Satan is masochistic and he'll, he, he abuses his own kids. So notice what this does not say. It does not say there hath no temptation, trial, or test taken you, but such as is common to Christians. It says common to man. Everybody. It happens to everybody. See? Disease comes on everybody. It's not just for Christians. Bad news and bad things, they don't just happen to Christians, they happen to everybody. Isn't that right? Amen. But that's because Satan is sick, and so he, he gets his kicks out of, out of afflicting anybody that he can. Now, his choice targets are Christians, because he's mad at Jesus for kicking his backside 2,000 years ago at the resurrection. But he'll, he'll even stomp on his own kids. He'll eat his own kids. He'll chew them up and spit them out if he can, because he gets his kick out of people being in pain, see? So it says, there hath no temptation, trial, or test taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not. Say, will not. Say, God will not. All right. Who will not suffer you. That's old English. The word S-U-F-F-E-R simply means allow or permit. So we could read it like this. But God is faithful who will not allow or permit you to be tempted, tried, or tested above that ye are able, but will 
with, say with, but will with the temptation, trial, and test also, say also, make a way to escape. Oh, I love it. That ye may be able to bear it, which means go through it, come out on the other side unscathed. Now, notice this. If you have five ounces of sense, one eye, and can hear out of one ear. Listen. Listen. No, you can figure this out for yourself. Listen. There hath no temptation, trial, or test taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow or permit you to be tempted, tried, or tested, above that ye are able, but will also, but will, with the temptation, trial, and test, also make a way to escape. It's obvious, it, it ought to be obvious to you that God could not be the one bringing the temptation, trial, and test on you. Because if the purpose of the temptation, trial, and test is for you to learn a lesson, God wants you to learn something, then the moment he gives you the way of escape, he has lost the purpose of the temptation, trial, and test. Because, baby, God already knows every human going to take the easy way out. That's the smart way. Get out of the thing the easiest way you can. So if God were putting the trial and test on you, then also making the way of escape and we take the way of escape, then whatever lesson should have been learned by the temptation, trial, or test is lost. That's stupid. And God's not stupid. So that goes to show you and also to validate the fact of what I told you before. Satan is the one that brings the temptation, trial, and test. God is the one that brings the corresponding way to escape. Are you following me? Now, it is in the escaping, not going under, but it is, it is in the escaping of the temptation, trial, and test that you ought to learn that God's word is true. And you should learn how to overcome as a result of that in practical application. See, the tests come, you ought to use them to step up on. Amen. Not go under and have them go over you, but use them as stepping stones to step on up a little higher in your development. Like I said last time, see, you, you have no idea what you can believe God for. You have no idea what you can stand until the pressure is put on. Amen. You can think, well, I, no, I'll never do that. Right, right, right. You're the first one to go. Huh? <laughs> see, you really don't know. You don't know what you, you don't know what. What would you do? 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 See, what would you do? You go in for your regular, to your gynecologist for your regular annual female checkup. And the doctor comes back in and tells you, you have inoperable cancer. We give you eight months to live. Now we're going to find out, hallelujah, praise the Lord and glory to God time. We're going to find out where your faith really is, see? Amen. See, that, that's the test. See, it's easy to say, oh, praise God, hallelujah, glory to God. I believe the word. Do you? What you going to do Tuesday, Monday, normally Monday? What you going to do Monday when you go into your job and they tell you the company's bankrupt and we got to let you go today? You ain't got no job. And six weeks ago, you just bought your first house. And three weeks from now, your first payment is coming due. Now, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. Now we're going to find out who do you really believe. Whose report will you believe? See, that, that's, when, that's when you find out. See what I mean? So the temptation, trials, and tests, the devil brings it, but God brings the way of escape. And the way of escape is by taking God at his word by standing on that word and making your confession of faith and walking through that thing. Can you understand that? So we are in a fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith, good because we win. 
Understand that the temptation, trials, and tests coming against you, Satan's purpose is to destroy. God's purpose is for you to take his word and knock those temptation, trials, and tests in the head. And then you find out that the word really works. How do you know the word works? How do you know that God answers prayer? The only way you know. See, you can believe God does because he says he does and will in his word. See? But how do you know he will? You'll never know until you get one answer. I said you'll never know until you get one answer. See, you can believe that he will. That's why I pray because I believe God is there. I believe God hears and I believe God will do what he said he will do. Hallelujah. That's the basis on which I pray. Hallelujah. But I'll never know that God will hear and answer prayer until I have had my prayer heard and answered. Then ain't nobody, nowhere, no how, and no way that can talk me out of the fact that God hears and answers prayer. Amen. And when that happens, that's when you get bold as a lion. And that's when some of your other brothers and sisters will accuse you of being arrogant because they don't know the difference between arrogance and confidence. That it can't spell. So they don't know that there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. I'm confident because I've been walking in it, see. See, that's the reason why, that's the reason why with some people who don't understand, that's why I come off with them as being arrogant and, and, and a bragger. That's what they think. I've been walking in this stuff for 23 years. If you ain't learned something after 23 years, man, just put it in the wind. Forget it. And if you haven't learned something in 23 years, I've been walking with the man for 23 years. I've been walking by the word for 23 years. I'm at Now, saints, when he say for 23 years, you have to remember this was recorded back in the 1970s. Um, if it was recorded today, he would be saying I've been walking with the man over 60 years. Okay. Absolutely, positively, unequivocally convinced. You can't talk me out of it. It's too late. I got the evidence. See? And so that's why I'm bold about it. See, like it or lump it, take it or leave it. I know that I know that I know that my no knows that the no knows that the no knows that God does hear and answer prayer. But how did I get there? By acting on that word. Do you understand what I'm talking about? See, we're not talking about esoteric ideologies. We're talking about practical things that work on a daily basis, see? But you got to get to that point, see? How do I know? How do I know that, that, that faith will move a mountain till a mountain comes in my presence? How do I know that with Jesus Christ I was healed? How do I know that? I know it when that thing tries to attack my body and I take God's word and I stand against it and Hallelujah. destroy it with my faith. Hallelujah. Then I know that I know that I know that himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and with his stripes I was healed. Amen. See, I start out by believing it but I don't know it until I experience it. Are you following me? All right. Let's move on to something else here relative to why we ought to study faith and why it's so important. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11. How faith works. And right now we're talking about why make all this to do about faith. In other words, why talk about it? Why study it? Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why, why, why? Well, because it's important. All right. Now watch this. Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there? All right. Look at verse 6. Verse, everybody read verse 6. Now, don't, don't tell me. I mean, don't tell me that faith is not important, that we shouldn't talk about and study. Listen to this. But without faith, I said, the man said, I said, the man said, we said. But without faith, it is impossible. Impossible means not possible. Means no way, Jose. No offense to Jose. There's no way. Impossible means impossible. Because that's the etymological meaning of impossible, which is impossible. Because that's what impossible means. It means impossible. Because that's the meaning of impossible, which is impossible. Because impossible means impossible. Which means that it's impossible. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I want you to get this. If you can't see from this how important the subject is, it says it's impossible to please God. Impossible without faith. As important as love is, it never does say that anywhere in the Bible, that without love it's impossible to please God. The Bible tells us we ought to go to church. It says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. As important as it is to gather together, as the children of God, nowhere does it ever say that without doing that, it's impossible to please God. We ought to bring all of our tithes into the storehouse. The Bible says that. Will a man rob God? Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. As important as that is, it's called robbery if you don't bring your tithe. And yet it never says that without. Now I need to stop right here and clarify something where he's talking about the prophet Malachi made that statement that Apostle Price just um, repeated. It was about bringing all the tithe into the storehouse. Malachi was talking to the Levitical priesthood who was robbing God. He wasn't talking to the people. He was talking about the Levitical priests who were robbing God. Now, if you can recall, his son, Frederick K. K. Price Jr., taught a series called Tithing Under Grace. He did an in-depth study about tithing and discovered in the scriptures tithing was not for us not for the new testament church as a matter of fact it wasn't even for the old testament church it was for the children of israel to pay tithes to the levitical priesthood as an inheritance and it was never money it was never money it was food and so fred price uh, taught this and his son has since corrected his own father. Now that tells you 
the heart of Fred Price when he accepted correction from his own son who is gifted to teach this word. I thank God for Fred Price Jr. I really do. I thank God for him because a lot of churches have since stopped saying tithe, bring your tithes. They just say bring offerings or a gift. Now the truth is the truth and I don't care what your denomination believes or what your church practices. That's fine. It doesn't mean you don't that you have to stop tithing. It means that you don't have to tithe to please God because tithing was never given to us anyway. It was for the children of Israel to pay tithes to the Levitical priesthood, which was food. And the food was supposed to be brought to the storehouse. The storehouse is not the church. It was a storehouse where they stored the food so that food could be in the Lord's house. Okay. And I thought that was very important for me to share that with you guys, because I didn't want you guys to get lost because apostle uh, price said it. No, he had since been corrected. And this was like 30 years ago. And this year his son taught a series on it. And let me tell you, a lot of people was in an uproar. And when I say people, I'm talking about pastors who had been teaching that we should tithe, bring a 10th of our salary and all kinds of crap. That is not what the Bible says. So let's resume. That without tithing, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to study God's word. But as important as studying the word is, nowhere does it ever say that without studying the word, it is impossible to please God. Here and here alone, in reference to faith, it says, without this, ain't no way. Is that plain enough for your educated head? Ain't no way. I'm sure you understand. Ain't no way. Can't be done. Impossible. Now watch this because there's some real truth here that a lot of people miss. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must. Underline the word must. The word must is an imperative necessity. That is not. Say that is not. That is not an option. No option. Must means must. <laughs> That's what must mean. In other words, you got to be doing this. You have to. Right, now watch this though. See, it says, now, but without faith it is impossible to please him for, I told you this before, that every time you see this word for in a setting like this in, in the English Bible, always substitute the word because, because that, that's what it means. That for is the old English way of talking. We don't talk that way. So it would read like this, and it flows a lot better. But without faith, it is impossible to please God because... See, now I know why it's impossible to please God. Because, because what? Because he that cometh to God must. Now, here's what's important. You don't have to come to God. See, you don't have to come to God. You can go to hell. I said, you can go to hell. And God will protect your right to go to hell. In fact, God will marshal his angels around you to see to it that no one interferes with your transition from this life to the place. God will protect your right to go to hell. That's what you choose. Ain't nobody, no one will be able to interfere with you going. God won't let it happen. If you choose to go, you don't have to come to God. That's not, it's not saying you have to come to God. What it is saying is that if you make the choice to come to God, 
At that point, you ain't got no options. Can you understand what I'm saying? Now, later on this year, we're going to be traveling to New York City for uh, a television crusade. I've been to New York City many, many times, and I know by experience that there are a number of airlines that I can fly out of LAX to go to, uh, go to New York City. I can fly American Airlines flies to New York City. United Airlines flies to New York City. Continental Airlines, I believe, flies to New York City. Delta Airlines flies to New York City. You may have to go through Atlanta, but you still get to New York City. There are a number of options that I have to get to New York. I don't have to fly on American Airlines. I don't like American Airlines. If I didn't like American Airlines, I don't have to fly on American Airlines. You know, they ain't the only game in town. I can fly on another airline. But once I make my choice to fly on American Airlines, Flight 000 that leaves LAX at 9 a.m. Once I make that choice, then I don't have any options if I want to get to New York City on Flight 000 American Airlines. I must be on board the plane when it lifts off the ground. Can you understand that? See, I don't have to fly. I have an option. I can fly on another airline. But once I make a commitment to fly on America, I got to be on the plane when the plane lifts off the ground. I can't be standing in the terminal looking out through the window. I won't get to New York. Not on that flight. Can you understand that? All right, this is what the man is saying. He is saying, but without faith it is impossible to please him for or because he that cometh to God must. Once you get on board that plane, you got no choice. No options then. You've committed I said, you have committed. I said, you have committed. Hey, once you get on that plane and that plane goes out on the taxi runway, gets out on the active runway, the pilot tells the stewardess and everybody to fasten your seatbelts and sit back and get ready to take off, and that big sucker starts rolling down down the airfield, it's too late for you to get off. You can't get off now. You are committed. But you had a choice before you got on the plane. But once you get on the plane, no choice. Do you understand that principle? All right, that's what he's saying. He's saying, but without faith it is impossible to please him for or because he that cometh to God. See, you don't have to come to God, but once you make a choice to come to God, then at that point, if you want to please him, you must believe. You must believe. You don't have a choice here. You must believe. See, you don't have to come to God. You can go to hell. But if you choose to come to God, then you must. At that point, then it's M-U-S-T, imperative necessity. No choice, no option. You understand that? Do you understand? Well, wave your hand like some of you look. Okay, you thinking, huh? Okay, watch this now. Now, I want to show you that there are only a handful of people. A handful of you probably can count them on your hands and your feet. No, that no, 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 no. S makes plural. You got more than one foot, so two feet is plural. <laughs> Perfect English. All right. (laughs) Okay, watch this now. Watch it now. I'm going to show you that only a handful of people please God. Watch this. But without faith it is impossible to please him for or because he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That's where most people stop right there. They stop. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I believe that God is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe that God is. And that's 
where they stopped. I did it for 17 years. That's where I stopped. I had committed the verse to memory, but every time I repeated it is because that's what I heard some preacher do. That's what I heard somebody else do. And I was a poly parrot. I copied that. I was a minor bird. Yak, 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 poly wanna cracker. I said the very same thing. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that believe. I said, hallelujah, I believe. Never read the rest of the book. Never read the rest of the verse. Watch this, what he's saying. He says, but without faith it is impossible to please him for or because he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Must believe that he is and. That doesn't mean stop. That's not a red light. That's amber. You just slow down and keep riding across the intersection when it's safe. He says, must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently, not haphazardly, not Easter Sunday and Mother's Day and Father's Day and Groundhog Day and Christmas must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have to believe both of those principles in order to please God. There are very few ministers especially that believe that. And the reason that you know that is because they're the ones that are saying, God put that on you, brother. God put that on your sister. God's testing you. God is trying you. Just hold on to God's unchanging hand. The Lord knows just how much you can bear. He won't put on you. Oh, God, my witness. Some of you heard it before. Amen. He won't put on you any more than you can bear. Has anybody ever heard a preacher say that? Amen. Thank you. You didn't get that in school. You got it in church. You got Now, saints, I had to stop here and, and to clarify and piggyback on what he's saying. I'm quite sure some of you who are in those old Baptist traditional churches heard the minister in the pulpit say, God won't put no more on you than you can bear. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He covered that, but because he dissected, you guys may have missed it. God doesn't allow you to be tempted and he is not the tempter no more than you can bear. Okay. God doesn't put anything on you. So let's resume from the preacher. I'm here to tell you that a cancer is not a reward. Amen. If it is, keep it. Amen. A heart attack is not a reward. AIDS is not a reward. A failed kidney is not a reward. A brain tumor is not a reward. An aneurysm is not a reward. If it is, don't reward me. Forget that I exist. Don't give me no rewards. Leave me alone. The Bible says God is a rewarder. My understanding of reward is the fact that you are the better for having received the reward. You're not the worse. Can I get a witness? So can you see how our father has been accused? Even, and we probably have some of it in here today. And I don't mean anything personal. We probably have people in here today that sell insurance, that are insurance salesmen. And you have certain kinds of policies that are written out. And in those policies, there's a statement that says acts of God. They will not insure normally acts of God. If they do decide to insure, it'll cost you seven arms, three legs, two eyeballs, and seven ears. 
They don't, they call it an act of God. They don't call it an act of the devil. They call it an act of God. Every time a big hurricane comes or a cyclone or a twist or a tidal wave or a tsunami or whatever it might be that does a lot of destruction, they blame God. Ah, act of God. Right away, newscasters, news commentators, they say, an act of God. He gets blamed for all the dirt. Because they're ignorant and unfortunately most preachers in the pulpit are ignorant. Amen. Ignorant of the word. Amen. So they blame God. And they say, God put that on you. God took it. Even at the funeral. My God, standing there in that pulpit in those robes with all that collar turned backward, standing there and have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to stand there while a mother and, a, and, and children and relatives are sitting there crying their hearts out, hurt and destroyed because their loved one is gone. And then that preacher, the one that ought to be giving them the truth, the one that ought to be giving them comfort, the one that ought to be telling them like it is, the one that should be giving them God's word will dare to stand there and say, the Lord took him. That's garbage, better known as garbage. God is not taking anyone. Now, he'll let you go, fool. If you let you go, he doesn't have any choice but to let you go. But God is not taking any. He didn't take your mother. He didn't take your goldfish. He didn't take your dog. He didn't take your cat. He didn't take your parakeet. He didn't take your brother or your sister or your child or your mother or your father. God did not take them because it's unscriptural. I will show you scripture where God took people. And every time God ever took anybody, he took them alive. Amen. Amen. Get on down. He took them alive. Not by death. Alive. Woo, Enoch went jogging one day. He did jogging on down the road. Got out there into the glory. Got out there into the anointing. And just jogged right on into heaven. God took him. He didn't die. Elijah and Elisha were walking through the field one day. The prophet and the protege. And the protege were talking to the prophet. Said, I want a double portion of what you got. And Elijah said, I tell you what, bro. If you see me when I go, you'll have what you want. Just about that time, the afternoon express came by. The heavenly chariot came down through the sky and picked up Elijah and took him on up into heaven. He went alive, not dead. And I'm out of time. Bye. See you next time. We walk by faith, not by faith. Now, saints, I hope you were enlightened by that message. Uh, next week, maybe Saturday or Sunday, I may play a, another episode from this great series entitled How Faith Works. I am working on a series that's pro probably going to last about maybe two months. So, you know, I am in some in-depth study. But I hope you were blessed by this. If you have any questions about this particular episode, some things that uh, Apostle Price may have said that you don't quite understand, feel free to send me an email at talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a voice message on whatever podcast you listen to me on, but you have to be a follower. Or for those of you who don't know about my ministry page, it is Back to Basics Sharing the Gospel Ministries on Facebook. You can send me a, a private message on my ministry page at Jesus Still Save 2017. So until next time, saints, be blessed and peace out.
are enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.